Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. This is a Rorschach test. Either you see somebody who is making $8 million to play a game for a few months at a time, or you see a guy who just got asked to take an 80% pay cut. And that distinction is going to be really interesting to see with the fallout here because this, Scott, has galvanized the players. They are uniformly together on this and the idea of outright rejecting this proposal from Major League Baseball. That's Jeff Passan, and no surprise that the uh, big leaguers are going to reject this first one. That's called negotiations. <laughs> yeah, that's how they work. Uh, but this one, I think, ticked them off uh, to a degree. At least that's what it sounds like. We've been saying it all along. I think most people agree public perception-wise is going to be a disaster for the players. Uh, I believe principally you have to wonder if the players are right. Uh, we hit on this a little bit earlier in the show, and I want to talk a little bit more about it, but overall in the grand scheme of things, how it relates to sport and how greedy we've become in sports, how greedy owners have become. And I've always wondered this, especially in college football with the just crazy salaries. Are we going to reach a tipping point? And I think we're reaching a tipping point maybe in all sports, but there are two that jumping out at me. And Major League Baseball is, is one because of the current situation. And college football, or at least college athletics, are another. The, the way they've run college athletics to put that much emphasis on how much is made in football, to see the dollars that are now made in football, paid to coaches, the importance level of that sport, and what it means – in a disastrous kind of way for the rest of the college athletics, potentially. I think we've reached a, a bit of a tipping point. I do have to uh, give a shout out to a couple of folks we were looking for scrubbed or scrapped. Scrub wins. Scrubbed. Uh, or Tom Mill says scrubbed. Eric says scrubbed. In oh. fact, we appreciate him listening to the show as it popped up on his Weather Channel Great app shot. and said stormy weather scrubs historic rocket launch at You're Kennedy right, Space Brent. Center. I was wrong. So we appreciate the uh, help. Scrubbed. Good, good to Scrubbed. know. <laughs> good to know. Good to know, uh, for sure. All right, man. We're. I don't want to get uh, a little crazy in this. But sports, I think from the outside looking in, if you're not a sports fan, you're like, man, I mean, why is that person getting paid this much money? Mm -hmm. And I've always said, yeah, but whatever. Like my, my argument to that is they do something that you can't do. Most yeah. of the time they do it at an excellent level. And why don't we complain about musicians and actors getting paid the amount of money? Bring right? up that point. Yep. I think it's a fair argument. You know why? Because they're very talented. They're good at what they do. There's not a lot of people that can do what they do. And that's why they get paid. I mean, it's much like being an astronaut. I don't know how much astronauts get paid. Yeah. There are only so many astronauts. Why are these two going to space? Well, because there's not many others that can, they're, probably. They're the lead of the lead. Yeah. You know? So whatever it is in your walk of life, and, and by the way, value is created by, I guess, your commodity in, in that sense. Kind like, of in the, the eye of the beholder. Value. You know, listen, I've seen a lot of people, especially these days, and you're like, oh, my gosh, they're making that kind of money for what? <laughs> like, yeah. what they 
They're not even good. <laughs> well, that's the world we live in. Throw them out there, Brent. Who are you talking about, man? Throw them out the bus a little bit. But, I mean, listen, in our industry, that happens a lot. That's true. It's like, really? Like, you didn't even go to school for it. You've yeah. been doing it for like two years. Brent's, Brent's trying to take a shot at me right now. No, it's all good, though. No, but, good. Uh, but you're, you're not making as much, not yet at least. So, <laughs> yeah. but you are kind of like, Smith numbers, you're, yeah. yeah, you're kind of like, really? Mm-hmm. It, there, there is that. And I think a lot of that happens in sports because of the crazy amount of salaries. We hear $5 million, like, whoa, my gosh. Well, we had $35 million, like, whoa. Uh, yeah. But as I always say, Tom Hanks probably got about $30 million to do a, a, a film, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, I get that, and I've always defended it for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I've also always been very curious, when will we reach a tipping point? And I just said it. I equate it more to college football because college coach, can they really – How like, what are you going to go up to? Can a college coach get paid $8 million? Can a defensive coordinator get paid $2.5 million? Like the haves and have-nots, you're widening the gap, first of all. And how much higher can you go? Mm-hmm. Like how much more money can you make? How saturated is it? For what you're getting. The NFL is asking that question that's led them to Mexico City and London, by the way, and maybe beyond because they saturated it in the United States. So college football, can you go anymore? Where are we going with these dollars? Well, now what we're seeing because of this, it took one event over two months to say, man, we're not getting any money. And if we don't make money or if we don't make as much money as we thought we were going to make, how are we going to pay for this, this, this and this? Yeah, I mean, it's. It's a great point, you know, and and listen, it's easy for us to talk about here, but like, uh, imagine, you know, imagine being like that field hockey athlete right now that's on scholarship, but you don't know if it's going to even be happening next year, you know, just because all because of football, and and you put so much, you know, just you you put so much importance on just one sport, and now when that sport has a possibility of being changed or going away, well, then you know the, the card castle crumbles, if you will. At the same time, though, I mean, yeah, like. I guess we have to ask ourselves, Brent, like, does the responsibility, does it fall on the NCAA? Does the responsibility fall on the president? Does the response, you know, president of university, does the responsibility fall on us fans, right? Because there is a market for football, okay? There's a reason why there's the ACC network. There's a reason why there's a Big Ten network. There's a reason why there's the SEC network. And with all due respect to field hockey, soccer, golf, and all that stuff, people don't tune in to watch that stuff on those networks. They tune in to watch football and sometimes maybe basketball, but mostly football. So do we, I guess, do we, because let's be honest. I mean, there's, there's a precedent right now, right? There's, there's things that aren't right. And when things aren't right, you point the finger. But who do we point the finger at? Do we point the finger at the president who's willing to pay the, the a coach that much money? Do we point the finger at all the advertising that goes along with college football because they're paying the bills? Do we point the finger at, um, I don't mean NCAA because they're not regulating it. Like, who do we point the finger at? And to be fair, I can't come up with a clear, definitive answer. Yeah, I think uh, let's just take the two sports, two things we're talking about, college football. You have to talk about administrations, athletic directors, boosters, and presidents, I think. Somewhere in that order. Those are the people that run sports, essentially. Mm -hmm. Boosters are a huge part of it. And... So, yeah, I think they take some blame. You know why? Because it's the old whose was bigger argument. Mm-hmm. And in that world, whose is bigger matters. Yeah. You know, and it's we've made it matter. It's everything. We've made it matter. And Alabama might be as guilty as anybody 
because Alabama says we love football and we love football at the expense of anything and everything. It seems like again, I'm not sitting there in Tuscaloosa, but they'll do anything for football. Yeah. College football at Alabama. And you know what that means? They also win. They pay the price and they win and the dollars keep rolling in and they're a machine. And they've become a machine. And over the years, by the way, there are examples of a bunch of different ones. Maybe it was Oklahoma back in the day, or Miami USC, Miami, whatever it was. Miami did, right? Yeah. Miami paid the price. Yeah. And they paid the price, but it was worth it for some time until it fell off and, well, things started to backfire in that regard. But Alabama became so successful. And I'm just going to use Alabama as an, ex- uh, as, as an example here. They're probably in the conversation with a lot of others, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Florida to a degree, who, whoever. And once you start winning, it gets out of control. And I, I always found it so humorous that we need football-only facilities on college campuses. You're telling me a football-only facility – Helps you win college football games and national championships. And I say that is BS. No, it doesn't. Put them in a freaking dorm. <laughs> you know, rent an apartment down the road. Yeah. You know, what, whatever. Let them go to the rec center on campus. Mix between uh, everybody else on campus. Not isolate the football team mm-hmm. and make them these, like, stars and, and you know, country club kind of atmospheres. Mm-hmm. But people are... What they do say, and they're right, is yes, it does matter. You know why? Because that five-star recruit's coming because he wants to be a part of it. That four-star recruit's coming here because look at the buildings we have. This is a material world we live in. Thank you, Madonna. Uh, And these (laughs) kids, it means something to them. It means something to wear the Jordan brand, the Nike, or Under Armour. Or getting 25 different jersey combinations. To have PlayStation in your locker room. To have this fancy new locker room. It does. I mean, and okay, so what you're going to say is, well, hey, man, they're just catering to the times, to the kid. I get it, but did you really have to? How about we just go play freaking football on a Saturday? Mm -hmm. You know, And, and what you're telling me is, well... We did have to, and the people that have done it, Clemson now is the same way. They've been winning like crazy, too. Uh, and I just think the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger where you're supposed to kind of endorse some form of of uh, fair play and parity, in yeah. a sense. Uh, you know, listen, it's it, Murray State's never going to compete with Alabama. Correct. But there should be more schools that can compete with Alabama, and quite frankly, there are about a dozen. In the whole country that can compete with Alabama. And again, I'm just using Alabama as an example. You get my point. Clemson, throw in your name, your big school, your power five school, Ohio State. Michigan has tried and they still can't do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and immediately when we say they're not winning, like Florida State right now, what's their big problem? Oh, they don't have enough money and their facilities. Uh, You know, they had to go ramp them up and they're building a football only facility. Mm -hmm. Florida, where did they get behind? You know, they made great hires in coaching. They had great success. In the Jeremy Foley era over the last 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, they're behind everybody. Why? Well, because they're lacking in facilities. Facilities help you win. It just got out of control, man. You have to build these $20 million buildings to win football games. See, I see what you're saying here, but I think you're taking away a little bit from the coaching. And here's what I'm going to say that. Coaches, I mean, like, how much does Nick Saban make a year? $8 million? $10 million? It's around eight. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is exactly, Listen, but it's yeah. in that neighborhood. It's a lot of money. Now, I don't know. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to compared well, to what he brings in there. Here's what I'm saying. I don't know exactly 
where Alabama's facilities rank in terms of nationwide about football facilities. I assume it's probably top 10 in the country, and I assume, you know what, probably Clemson is top 10 as well. And, yeah, maybe you go there for the jerseys. Maybe you go there because you grew up in the in the state and you know the importance of tradition, yada, yada, yada. But there's a reason why the top recruits in the nation, I'm talking those five-star athletes that you see you know, on ESPN on a Friday night, there's a reason why they all go to Alabama and Clemson. Now, yeah, maybe it's because you got cool stuff, but I think it's because you have a chance to win a national championship. And it's a chance to be ingrained in the tradition, okay? Talk about Oregon. Dude, I've never been to Oregon, but I can only assume that their facilities are out of this world. Absolutely. I've seen videos. I've seen the PlayStations in each locker. I've seen the jersey combinations. I mean, I've seen you get. Dude, when I played in the Senior Bowl, Garrett Blunt had three different helmets for practice. (laughs) Three different helmets. He had a green one, a silver one, and a black one. Meanwhile, I have a white helmet because Murray State forgot to send mine. I'm like, cool, awesome, (laughs) right? So. I don't think it's all about the bells and whistles. I think universities do that, not so much for the recruiting, but it's like a chance to one-up each university. You know, like, for instance, when you're in the SEC, right, and you see Alabama, there's stuff. Wallace and Ford is like, look what Alabama has. we got to increase it a little bit because, well, we have to be on the same page as there. Now, yeah, does it make a difference in recruiting? Maybe, but I think that we're selling this generations uh, of kids and just their attitude short a little bit because I think the kids want to come in and try to win a championship. I mean, at least that's what I wanted to do. Now, once again, went to Murray State, didn't really pan out too well for me, but it was important to, for the right coaches. It was important for the tradition, and it was important for the chance to go out there and be great. Okay, um, I think that if you have a bad head coach or a bad position coach. That's going to turn that kid off even more than, well, what, you guys don't have a PlayStation every single locker? I'm not coming here. So I'm just saying we shouldn't sell the kids so short. I, I Listen, I don't disagree with you that coaching matters and players matter and getting to the NFL. Like I yeah. think the reason why kids go to the, a, a, Alabama is say, sure. well, they got uh, 15 guys a year drafted. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'll go there because mm-hmm. I think they know how to get it done. Yeah. Fair enough. But you brought up a great example. Oregon splashed on the scene not because of their coaches. Not because of their players, because of their uniforms, facilities, and relationship with Nike. That says it all. Like, they splashed on the national college football scene. They became a player. They became a uniform when Ty played flag football that they wanted to be the Ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who the hell knew about the Oregon Ducks? And, and, and the Ducks are really sending fear. Like the name, the Ducks doesn't really send a lot of fear through anybody. No, but they made it cool. Yep. yep. And that appeals to kids just but, as much yeah. as the coach, and well, maybe not just as much, but there's a big part of it that no. appeals to kids, and it got out of control. See, but you're you're not giving the coaches any credit though, Brent. A guy by the name of Chip Kelly finds himself in Oregon. And revolutionizes really the offense of the, the no huddle offense, True. right? And then the high powered offense. Like, yes, Oregon was, you know, they, they they were known for their crazy combinations and all like the high tech stuff, but they're also known for being an offensive juggernaut. Okay, and they attracted a lot of offensive skilled players because of it. Now their defense, nah, not so good. But I'm just saying, from what we see now with the spread offenses, you know, the no, the, the, the high tempo offenses, a lot of that came from Oregon. Yeah, but listen. I will give you two examples that kind of I, – and I get what you're saying. And you're not wrong because, look, Dabble Swinney started winning, and then they started adding buildings. Correct. You know, Now, they were already committed, but I don't think they were that committed. They got more committed. They said, okay, it's time to play ball. Mm-hmm. It's time to play ball with Alabama. We're going to be the next Alabama. 
And you know what? Quite frankly, they might be. Like, they might be on an even playing field right now over the last handful of years with Alabama. I think the the resume kind of says it. Then you look at somebody like Florida State, and they weren't building buildings fast enough for Jimbo Fisher. So he said, I'm out of here. Build me these buildings Let's play with the big boys. Yeah, well, I want an extra championship out. for you. Yeah, I want more private planes to go visit recruits. Yeah. I want my chopper landing somewhere <laughs> in Jacksonville, like Kirby Smart yeah. and like Nick Saban's. Again, listen, I just, I'm not saying I hate the game because I like watching it too on Saturdays. But you're not being real with yourself if you think they've ruined it because of all the dollars. Mm-hmm. They have ruined it. And and created this tipping point that you knew had to exist somewhere down the road. Where was that? Now, what have they ruined? Will they ruin college football Saturdays? Probably not. I think they've ruined parity in college football. Every year I can give you 10 teams max that can win a national title. Max. And it might be six. Yeah. Because there's no parity in it. And so... Yeah, you might get an upset here or there, but we know who's going to be the cream of the crop in college football most years Mm -hmm. before the season begins. It's Major League Baseball in that sense. Isn't it kind of funny that we're talking about Major League Baseball and college football in that sense? The other thing it did, and I don't think the college football big boys and old school guys and, and good old boys care about it, is they've ruined a lot of the other athletics now because of it. And yes, did they fund a lot of that? Absolutely. Created a lot of dollars, generated a lot of dollars to fund other sports, grow athletic departments. But obviously the formula wasn't wasn't uh, fail safe mm-hmm. because here we are. So now it's impacting sports all over the place. I think NCAA presidents, athletic directors, everybody else has to really question their model and look into their model. And is this sustainable? Is this the way we want to go? And there are all different ways to go. Just get, just get the hell out of it. Just say we're – again – I've always said this. Acknowledge your big business. Take your 60 schools and go run your big business and create college football for what it is. It's power fives because we don't want anybody else in. And there's only these schools that even have a chance. And and by the way, there's probably 30 of them that don't have a chance, but they're going to play with the big boys anyway. But then what happens to the other sports then, Brett, if you do that? You know, well, you got to keep them in mind as well. But then maybe you run those other sports like they were intended to run all along as non-revenue yeah. sports. You fundraise, you get donations, you you. but they all go into this little kitty. And it's not a $70 million kitty. No. It's Kind of what it is, you know. It's yeah. it's what probably the NCAA was intended to be in all those other sports at first, and now it's just gotten so far out of control that we're killing the other sports. Listen, we began this conversation asking, well, who to point the finger at? You know, like who who's to blame out of this whole situation? And now, as we kind of talk through it a little bit, you know, and, and I try to gather my devices, I mean, I, I don't think you can just blame one person. I think I agree with you. you it's have, a systemic you, thing. Yeah, but you have, you have to blame the president, and you, and you have to blame the universities because you're allowing this to happen, right? You have to – and let's be honest, Brent, we take some of the blame as well because we talk football more than anything we on the show for cheat. a reason. It's like cheating in the NCAA in yeah. basketball. And by mm-hmm. the way, it happens in football too, but it's Correct. become more prominent in, in basketball. Yeah. We don't care. Give us March Madness. Exactly. Give me the damn bracket. 
Sure. I don't care. Just give me the bracket. So we're also at fault here a little bit. I think head coaches of, of college football teams are definitely at fault. I think you mentioned a great example of Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher didn't get what he wanted from the, the private helicopters, whatever it was, so he took town and left. You know, And I'm sure he probably lied to a lot of his student-athletes and said, yeah, I'm going to be here for you know your, your entire duration. I'm sure he sat in a lot of living rooms and said, I'm not going anywhere, man. We just won the national championship. Why would I leave? Come on to Florida State. Let's win some more. And I'm sure a lot of those players uh, probably despise him for doing it. But I think a lot of the responsibility also falls on head coaches because you look at a head coach, it's like he, it's like a kid that looks over a fence. It's like, whoa, look what Tommy got. Tommy got a brand new swing set. Why can't I get a new swing set over here? And then all of a sudden he's like, why can't I get a new swing set? Then I'm out of here. Like, let's be honest, man, okay? If you make a couple million dollars here forever coaching, you're doing pretty well for yourself, okay? Do you, do you really need the new facility? Do you really need the private I mean, it should be about coaching. Like, how good of a coach are you? And if you want that stuff, then go win some more. Don't just tuck your tail and go someplace else because you don't have anything that you need. Then get what you need, and you get what you need by winning. You don't just tuck your tail and run. So some of it falls on the coaches as well. And then obviously the biggest thing is the NCAA. You know, and we talk about it all the time on this show. There's a lot of things wrong with NCAA, and I think let's be honest, the NCAA has kind of been the chaperone through this whole process. They've been the ones in charge of regulating everything. They, they've been the ones in charge of kind of monitoring stuff. And let's be honest, when we see the optics now of this COVID-19 pandemic comes across, and all of a sudden we see, wow, they really rely on college football for everything, don't they? Well, that's on the NCAA's watch. So some you know, at least blame has to fall on them as well. Well, I think it's just the structure, the way it's set up. Do they have to revisit it? Do they have to make it more uh, fail-proof uh, when you have stuff like this happen? Again, this is so unique, mm-hmm. but it's exposing warts. It's exposing the way things are run and done. And obviously, it's not survivable for the for the way it was structured. Like, mm-hmm. you can't continue to do this. Like, you can't continue to buy, buy, buy if you're not making any money at your house. <laughs> Sooner yeah. or later, it's going to catch up with you. And it feels a little bit like some athletic departments, UConn, the most late, the latest, has been a little bit in that predicament. Uh, one thought I want to mention Major League Baseball here because I think Major League Baseball is hand in hand and they're showing this. Did they, did they raise ticket prices too much? Did they become too corporate? Did they sell out for the $12 beverage at a game? And again, consumers are at fault because we're willing to do it. But at the same time, people have questioned attendance and baseball a little bit at times. Were, is there all the TV contracts in Major League Baseball that's made this so such a profitable sport? Like we say, wow, baseball's doing well. Profits, profits, man. They're making a ton of money. Well, then what happened? Baseball said, players like, I want some of that money. Of course. I'm the reason you're making that money. You know what? They have a point. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden we have 30 to $35 million contracts. And here we are when you'd want to dock them five sixths of that because you think it's a survival mechanism during this time. They don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder in big league baseball, did they get too greedy? Yes, absolutely. Because everybody gets greedy in business. Everybody. If you start making money, you want more of it. Any business that sells works. anything, if a sales guy does $200,000 worth of business, what happens if you're in sale? The next year, they want you to do 250. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Like you raised your own bar and you have to go find new dollars and new ways to do it. Some of that's creativity. Some of that's great job. Mm-hmm. But other times, like in this kind of business and this guy in Major League Baseball, has it become too much? Did they charge too much for a ticket? Did they 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 kind of outprice themselves for concessions? Do they have to take on almost a minor league model a little bit more? And while doing so, their bottom line may shrink a bit, but also the player salary won't balloon as as high. 
Mm-hmm. Like, when you're making $35 million a year to play baseball, again, I appreciate it because it's something that few people can do. Mike Trout's unbelievable. He's the most underrated athlete maybe of our time, quite mm-hmm. frankly. He's amazing at the game. In that context of the game, he earns the $35 million. And what they make out in Anaheim, he's earning that because he's a big reason they're making that. But is it too much? Is it not sustainable? I, I don't think anybody has asked that question, is it sustainable? And now, guess who's asking the question? Mm-hmm. Everybody in business because of what just happened the last two months. Yeah. Are we just going to keep everything the same and say, creep our fingers crossed and hope there's never anything like this again and just continue on? Mm-hmm. And say this was a bump in the road, or will it change around the structure of things? I think it's crystal clear on college campuses the structure is changing because sports are going away. Yeah. I wonder in Major League Baseball if some of the structure, the way it's set up, will now change on the other side of this because of what we're seeing these last couple of months and, and what we're about to see with this player versus owner conflict yeah. over the next couple of weeks. And, and that's exactly where we're at right now in terms of Major League Baseball. We're at player versus owner. And usually how this works out for whatever reason, I can't really put a finger on it, Brent, is when it's player versus owner, usually society will more than likely, depending on the situation, but like with, with money talks in this one, I think society is going to you know, have the owners back more than the players back. I, I really do. And it's crazy to me that we're talking about that, right? Because you see the owner, like, yeah, the owner looking, the owner's the owner for a reason, right? He he. Busted his butt more than likely. He started a business. He accumulated a lot of money, and guess what? <clears throat> he got to afford a baseball team. Fantastic. But the player can be said the same thing. The player was, you know, the the player spent his time playing little league, traveling, whatever it was. But for whatever reason, he got to the highest of the highest levels. Okay, and I think he's earned that money as well. So when we see these figures, when when we see these percentages getting taken away from players, how could you not feel outraged though? Right, like, to me, sitting here right now, on a Wednesday, and that tweet drops out saying, whatever, like, the, the, the players, a percentage, like, for instance, Mike Trout is going to make what? A couple million Six dollars? Six million out of Six 35 million. or 36, yeah. yeah. I get it. It's still a lot of money, right? I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars. We're talking uh, probably a half a season or a shortened season. I get that as well. But at the end of the day... Dude, that's that's the contract. We always talk about like teams honoring contracts. We you know what we always talk about we talk about how NFL players should honor their contract. That they should play four years and then ask for a new contract. Well, if you're the MLB right now, are you really honoring these contracts? And now I listen. I've never read an MLB contract before, so I don't know what it says. But I have a hard time believing it says, you know what? If we have a global pandemic and we play half a season, <laughs> we're gonna take away so and so percentage of your money. I don't think the contract says that. So how can we stand behind contracts all the time in the NFL where it's like, well, he shouldn't ask for a new one. He should honor his contract and wait till he's done with it to ask for a new deal. But then we turn it around on its head, and now it's all of a sudden baseball players saying, well, where's our money? It's part of a contract. And society wants to go, well, times are tough right now for everybody. What are you squabbling over tens of millions of dollars for when I can't even go to work right now? It's not fair. It's a catch-22, in my opinion. Well, it is a catch-22, but that's why perception is going to win the day, and the players really don't have an answer. I'm yeah. not saying the players are wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but why? Uh, when you work at Publix and you make $12 an hour, you don't ever go to work and say, man, I, I should be making more. Publix is making $50 million a year. Sure. Well, what's the difference? Yeah. So let the guy owns a baseball team. That's his right. He owns a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're going to punish him for being profitable? I, you know, it's it's no different than bi- we don't do that in the business world. We do it in the athletic world. All of a sudden, the uh, power of I think players has really increased. Some of it, right? 
Uh, but some of it, it, the biggest part is it's really not relative to Publix. Yeah. <laughs> the comparison. Yeah. It's, it's really not relative to anything. That's why we have such a hard time putting our minds around it. Yeah. Uh, Six million dollars sounds great to play baseball for me for 82 games. For sure. But I've never made six million dollars a year. If yeah. you were telling me I made thirty-six million, I got to drop down to six. I might have a beef with it too. Yeah, I'm listen, putting my body through it. Yeah, listen. At the end of the day, I mean, you have to honor the contract, right? Like, I mean, that, that's just it is what it is. Well, they have and to come to an agreement well, because this is so agreement. unique. Yeah. They have to figure it out. They're rewriting yeah. the rules. And, and listen, and I'm not. I, I think I'm with you, Brimmer. I'm not mad at baseball players. Like, I, I'm mad with when that cat from uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the pitcher, um, Snell. Snell, yeah. I'm mad when you kind of, I guess, politicize and saying I'm risking my life and all this stuff, and you're like you're putting your life on the line. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, maybe a little aggressive for my liking. Like, I, I get what you're trying to come across, but you're going about it the wrong way. Like, people don't need to hear that they don't right need now. To hear that. Yeah, they don't need to hear that. But I get what he's trying to say, and I probably, I mean, listen, we'll, we'll see what happens with this whole thing, right? Because I've been very adamant about this since the start of the show. When you put all the money out there, when you put the behind the curtains of the dirty laundry that's happening right now. I don't think it helps your business. I think you go behind closed doors and you figure this out. We don't need to be talking about it on the show. We don't need to be talking about it on Twitter. I mean, obviously, it's a big story, so we talk about it. But if the MLB wanted to save any kind of grace right now and go forward and try to, you know, resurrect the the fandom that is MLB, I would do it behind closed doors. Simple as that. Well, and MLB is in a different situation than any other sports. It's hard to compare it to NHL and NBA. They've already got all their money for the year. Not all, but most. Mm -hmm. Totally different. MLB players haven't got a check yet Mm -hmm. this year. So it's a totally different scenario. Hey, uh, Steve's been hanging on the line for a while. Steve jumps in on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're way against the break. What you got, man? Hey, I got a two-parter for you guys. Uh, one has to deal with the little bet you two have going on, whether the Patriots have a worse season than the Jags. Yeah. Instead of Brett betting his house, because according to Austin, you've lost it twice. Well, that's according to facts, not according to me. But, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, loser, and you guys could do a segment on this, needs to chug, not sip, one of Ben Barch's homemade smoothies. Well, Stephen, guess what? Pretty upset that he brought the smoothie thing back up. I thought I was going to be in the clear here. That's because Austin already lost a bet on that. I have to do that. And owes that anyway. Not chugging it, but at least drinking it. Yep, so I'm already doing that. So So stay tuned for that one. We have not made that up because of the pandemic. We didn't want to make it, like, in here. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll do it when we're all clear. All right, uh, but my main thing is from yesterday, you guys talking about Jay Gruden, uh, the tight end, and the wide receivers, and I didn't think of this uh, till later on. Uh, I'm sure Austin's played against goal line setups where offenses have uh, utilized the formation where it uh, they have uh, an eligible receiver with a tackle. Correct. Uh, do you think maybe Jaguars could take a look at that? Because you do have Ben Barch, who has played tight end, who came into college being a tight end who knows how to run a route or something like that. Could they utilize something like that? All right, Stephen, thanks uh, for the question. Let's answer it on the other side. we yeah. got to go to break. Kuz didn't know, but this was a commercial-free hour here at oh, 5 yeah, o'clock yeah, on yeah, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. <laughs> We're way up against it, so we'll come back. Final segment of the show. We'll answer that question. Interesting question. Bars, where does he play? Uh, could he use some of those tight end skills? Swing tackle? Intriguing. We'll uh, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, the tackle eligible. Maybe that guy's got good hands, we'll talk right? about it, yeah. That's cool. He could bring up some of those plays. I like that. Let's get into it. for some creation. Activity, uh, and we'll put a bow on the uh, show with some Jags percentages that continue to make me mad. <laughs> 85% chance, really? 85% chance? I can't wait. I haven't seen this one. Yeah, I know. I'll bring it up. Brunson, you see a little sad, man? On ESPN 690.
now it's Holyfield and Mike Tyson talking about having a charity match, aren't they? Do you think do you think that's something that should be even sanctioned, or do you just think it's I, like two fellas, just you know, two game fighters who are doing fighting talk? Yeah, right, I'm not really too sure, but I did get a phone call with a chance to fight Mike Tyson. I was like, yeah, that I uh, the, I had a phone call saying, oh, would you like to fight Mike Tyson in an exhibition fight? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think anything's materialised out of it, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I think he's definitely serious about doing uh, doing some fights or whatever. Tyson Fury talking about uh, Mike Tyson. Tyson continues to uh, be out there on social media. By the way, is he have permanent res- residence now in Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, he's really been around the last couple of days. I think I, I yeah. saw a picture this morning. Yeah, I'm um, still in Jacksonville. So, what's the story behind Iron Mike? Well, because he was doing the Ollie wrestling. Uh, thing, yeah, right? I know. Yeah, but and actually, I, by the way, well, we had a question on that. Did you break down double or nothing yet? And the answer to that is no. No. Um, but we can do but that maybe could. tomorrow, maybe Friday too, as well. Um, listen, in terms of Mike Tyson, like he's gonna be on TV tonight again for Ollie wrestling uh, on uh, Wednesday night Dynamite on TNT. So he'll be on that show as well tonight. Tonight, I'm gonna say this. All right, and I like a lot of people are really talking about this right now too much with Mike Tyson. I have sources, by the way. My source says, leaving tomorrow is Mike tomorrow. Tyson. Okay, we'll tell, so we'll, we'll tell Ashad Khan and say what's up. Isn't that a segment that you wanted to do, right? What's my that? source says. My source, Yeah, my sources are telling me. Exactly. <laughs> we, we can still bust that out. Somebody actually wanted to see that. They sent me a message saying, hey, you should do this. We'll see what happens. But if you've been looking at social media lately, Mike Tyson takes pictures with Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe <clears throat> breaking those quarantine rules a little bit. Not a big deal, though. But... Look at who he's training with right now in terms of the guys that he's surrounding himself with. There's two guys that pop up in a lot of pictures from Mike Tyson. One is named Vitor Belfort, who mm-hmm. is an old Emmett. You probably know Vitor Belfort. Mm-hmm. Fought in the UFC for a long image. time. Guy was juiced to the gills. Other guy, Henry Cejudo, guy we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago. Just had First guy's with Bellator, right? Yep. Uh, so Vitor Belfort was with the UFC, is now with Bellator. He might actually be out of Bellator and now with 1FC. I mean, okay. he's kind of up there in age. But then another guy you have the name of Henry Cejudo, who uh, is a two-division champion and also Olympic gold medals in wrestling. Very impressive. He just retired from MMA as well. Why is Mike Tyson hanging around with these MMA fighters and not boxing tr- coaches and trainers? I think Mike Tyson's plan right now, and once again, this is there's I have no source to back this up, just from what I've been seeing him training and everything. I wonder if Mike Tyson's going to take an MMA fight. Now, against who? No idea, because to me, it requires a big name to obviously sell this fight. And you don't want to throw him against like a wrestler or like a high caliber guy right now because who wants to see Mike Tyson get taken to the ground and knocked out? You know, like you don't want to see that, dude. So like, You'd probably rather see a Vander Holyfield or something like that. But I'm just saying, the fact that Mike Tyson is kind of hanging out with a bunch of MMA fighters, it is a little peculiar for my liking. Let's be honest, too. In that sport, we see a bunch of older guys, 42, 44-year-old guys even still getting it done. Absolutely. Uh, And so 53 years old is still up there. Mm -hmm. But um, that'd be interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know, though. Let me ask you this. Uh, you're, You're into the MMA, and you're obviously fight MMA. Yeah. Do you want to see Tyson in that arena? Or it's like, an MMA. dude, just put on the boxing gloves and let's show yeah. Mike Tyson's punch out yeah. or don't do it at all. Yeah, I mean, I, that's kind I, of I mean, what listen, I feel about it. Yeah, from my perspective, I want to see Mike Tyson for what I know Mike Tyson for. And that's knocking fools out wearing boxing gloves. Okay? Now, if you're in Mike Tyson's shoes, I, who knows, Brent? Maybe he feels like, listen, he is in the best shape of his life. Maybe he wants to push the boundaries even more and do something that he's never done before. Because you know why? Mike Tyson is just crazy enough to do that. So I'm not going to be the guy to say, well, don't do MMA. Like, you shouldn't do that. You're going to ruin the sport. 
No, nah, man, we have all these crazy fights all the time in MMA. So if he wants to truly do that, then so be it. But I'm just saying it is peculiar that he's hanging out with a bunch of MMA fighters. Yeah, uh, interesting stuff. And again, he's been in town now for yeah. almost the entire week, going back to last Friday, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of, uh, you know, Tony Khan's got him doing some things uh, with AEW, which, listen, Tyson is still a star. You saw what happened. He was at the field last year. Yeah. And uh, kind of feels like that's when, you know, he was in, he was down, I think, at the stadium because of some business ventures, hmm. right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was the reasoning last year. So it's probably for all the wrestling, <laughs> and and it might have been a yeah. little bit all, but that's where the relationship probably was formed. Sure. And I'll tell you this, man. Like I thought, Iron Mike looked pretty bad last year when I saw him. Like mm-hmm. uh, he had a gut on him. Mm-hmm. He looked old. Yeah. Again, when we envision Mike Who's Tyson, the, 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 the recording this now. For Brent, let's make sure we record this. Put this on Twitter. Would that be good for a physical feat if I got in the ring with Tyson? If if you even just train with Mike Tyson one day, forget my. I'm gonna have to climb three mountains in one day to match that. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) I wouldn't do it. (laughs) By the way, I, I have a hard time wondering if I would go for a series in the NFL or for a minute with Mike Tyson. Ooh, a minute with Mike Tyson or a series in the NFL? Yeah. I mean, well, see, for me, like, I mean, like if, if your yeah. life depended on one or the other. So, okay, so if I'm concerned about your well-being. I know what you would do. You already did it. Yeah. Well, the NFL. If, if I'm concerned about your well-being, though, Brent, like, you know, I'm, I'm a family member, and I would be like, I hope you do it this way because I'm concerned about I your health. I hope you have life insurance. Yeah, exactly. I would probably tell you to go play football for a series the, more than the Mike Tyson really? thing. Well, dude, if you get punched in the face. It's gonna it's do over. some damage. Well, it's gonna do some damage. It's over, Johnny. It's gonna do some damage, man. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, yeah. 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 Don't want to do damage. Yeah. To this don't thing. don't want to damage the moneymaker. But if he gets you one in the face and you don't get knocked out immediately, how badass is it to be able to say That's I true. didn't get knocked out on the first punch? Yeah. No glass jaw on me. Dude, did you think you can do that? <laughs> you think, you want, I mean, is that what we're talking about right now? I'd, honestly, is that what we're talking about? I'd be more. Uh, although really it probably would hurt the face, but I'd be more, um, if I got in a ring with Tyson, of getting hit with a body shot. I'd be more Ooh, the liver, the kidney man. Yeah. Or like oh, the chest. Yeah. Like, I feel like he could kill Just me. Just collapse her chest. Like, I seriously yeah. feel like he'd kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to say, yeah, I'd rather see you play a down to football. Cause I, I can like show you some things where it's like, all right, well maybe the play comes at you, but we can be smart with our base. We can stay low and we cannot accumulate so much damage. Yeah. If I had a month to train you to take a punch from Mike Tyson, I don't know what I would do, Brent. I'd be like, well, go ahead and get your affairs in line. Let's go ahead and go to church every single Sunday. Run around and the ring. Yeah, yeah I guess run, well, that can only last for so long, too. Or it's, it's not as big as you think it even is. Even when he swings the first time, yeah. just go down. <laughs> just <laughs> die? Take an absolute take dive. dive. Take a like dive. Like Peyton Manning or Eli when the rush is coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. Just like, yep, just like uh, Tom Brady when he's hitting the hole in one, supposedly. All right, a couple things before we get out of here. Uh, Stephen had called prior to our last break. Yeah. About the tight end, about Ben Barch. Yeah. Can you use him in different situations? It's an interesting one. Uh, can you can you do that? Why not? I, hey, let's have some fun, Brent. Listen, I'm all for fun and having some fun, but you're right. I mean, he's got to have pretty good hands, right? Correct. He yeah. will be a guy that I think other teams would even have to, maybe not this year, maybe it's down the road, but if he is a tackle-eligible guy, yeah. bring some interesting situations. He, he, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Ben Barch becomes a weapon on the goal line, yeah, yeah. but he actually becomes a something you could consider yeah i mean listen i don't know where they see him as as a swing tackle obviously if he's playing more guard and all of a sudden oh he's lined up a tackle well that's going to be kind of a question mark and teams will take notice of that but why not man give it a try because like i said it's all about the season of fun this year for that offense Brent. season yeah. of fun let's go uh, it's a good call though i like it i like uh, it gonna do tackle eligible yep tackle eligible um 
the uh, the other thing I wanted to share with you, you know, I'm tired of this Kyler Murray talk. Bucky Brooks is like Kyler Murray's going to win the MVP. Oof. I mean, oh, Bucky, I used to like you. Oof. What happened to us? Yeah. Can we stop? Just stop. Brent's so upset about this. Just stop. Yeah. You're making me not like Kyle Mori. Like, <laughs> people are making me not like him, and I think he's probably a great kid. He's, he's a baseball guy, too. It's not his fault, man. It's supposed to be your boy. Just making me Dual not like Dual athlete. Him. I mean, can we just stop with Kyle Mori? Okay, so let me ask you this then, Brent. How is Kyler? Like, what do you foresee happening this year with the Arizona Cardinals? Because it's kind of got that feeling like the Cleveland Browns of, of last year a little That's bit, right? That's a good right? call. It's a really good call. I wonder... Like, did you get the sense? Baltimore looked like they unveiled something. Did Mm. you get the sense that Arizona unveiled anything? No. But one could argue that they didn't have all the pieces in place yet. Yeah. Right? Now they have Hopkins. But why wouldn't they unveil something? Like, that's what they brought them in to do. Like, why would you? I just thought they were going to change the league a little bit, right? Kingsbury. Change a lot. Kyle Murray. I I thought they were going to do something that caught my attention. He's a talented kid. He's a great athlete. Yeah. Outside of that, I didn't well, say, wow, look at Kingsbury. Oh. Look at this offense. Yeah, I mean, you saw some wrinkles here or there, but let's be honest. Probably the biggest story of last year for the Arizona Cardinals wasn't even Kyler Murray. It was Kenyon Drake. It was getting Kenyon Drake True. from the Miami Dolphins, who was essentially a backup, comes over to Arizona and absolutely tears apart the football world and fantasy football. So I agree with you there, but I also agree with the fact that, listen, the wide receiving core might be a top eight, maybe a top five in the entire NFL. And if you have an offensive-minded guy like Kingsbury, I mean, it might just be too great to fail. But we said that last year about the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and listen, even McVay took went down last year a little bit from the year prior. Again, people catch up to whatever you're doing. My point is I just don't know what they were doing to yeah. catch up to in well, Arizona. And they, they do become more electric and dynamic. They must have had five wins last year because they picked a, a spot ahead of the Jags. So let's mm-hmm. just say they were 5-11. and 11. I think they were. Uh, I, I mean, I see a max at eight and eight, man. I well, mean, they're max eight and eight. I mean, that, which is a nice little step up. Yeah. But I, I don't see them all of a sudden eleven and five. And the MVP ain't winning eight and eight. Okay. I mean, Bucky, you're out of your mind. Well, here's what I need. You, I need you to keep the same kind of energy. Okay. Keep this exact same kind of energy when we have our NFL fantasy football draft because I'll be taking Kyler Murray in mid rounds, and I want you to. I want you to watch it. I want you to take a little screenshot of it. Oh, what's Austin taking Kyler Murray for? And then I want you to sit back and watch the fantasy football gold on. Unveil again as I win another championship with Kyler Murray at the helm. I'm Call not ready right to do this yet Call because right I've already got the Jags winning more games than the Patriots. Oof. I'm not ready to do the this yet. Degenerate betting by Brent Martin now. But I'm thinking about it, and I'm going to do, do some research. What do you got? Hit me with it. Let's go. Once again in Careful. 2020, better numbers from Minshew than Murray. Do you want to put that bet down right now? I did now? not say I'm ready to do it. i got to do a little more research, Here's, and I want to hear from Gardner tomorrow. Gardner's okay. going to talk to us tomorrow. Right. So Okay, so we, we talked to Gardner tomorrow. You already has to say. I want you to then marinate on it for about three or four hours after the interview. You come on the show tomorrow, and you ask yourself, are you ready to bet me that Gardner Minshew will have better numbers than Kyler Murray? Think about it. I'm going to think about it. Okay. We're also putting out there Mr. Football in Jacksonville, and it can't be Minshew just yet, people, but Mr. Football in Jacksonville. Last week, I did Mr. Baseball, Yep. and some people wanted to jump in on Mr. Football, sure. so I said, what well, <laughs> the heck? Let's do Mr. Football this week. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about it tomorrow. Who's Mr. Football in Jacksonville? Marinate on that for the next just 24 hours. Just make sure that you word the tweet right so people don't get confused again. <laughs> don't bring hockey into the mix Who or something. Who is Mr. Football in Jacksonville? You know, Simple. Kind, of, kind of like a basketball player that we used to have here in Jacksonville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have 23% chance for the first pick. These people are out of their mind. The 85% chance for a top 10 pick. Now, I'm not sure I'd bet against that one. 85%. 
We need some believers around here. I can't wait to talk to Minshew tomorrow. He's going to get me all jacked up for the 2020 season. Place that bet. Let's go. Minshew over Murray. Get ready. I can't wait. Care with the cash in again. No offense to Minshew. I love you. Yeah. Let's see where <laughs> this is going. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. We'll see you on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.